Not on Twilight Tonic. I am one lucky lady. Tonight I have three amazing women who wrote an amazing book coming out in March. It's called Women on the Fringe. Maria D. Jones is here, and she is an author of 26 nonfiction books on the paranormal UFOs. You name it, she's done it in the paranormal world. Denise Anu, she is a producer, screenwriter, and an author, a medium, and a paranormal investigator. And of course, I've had this lady on a couple times, one of my faves, Nicole Strickland. She is a researcher in the afterlife and paranormal. She's a speaker and award-winning radio host. How are you three lovely ladies tonight? Good. <laughs> it is fantabulous. Happy to be here. It is so good to have you ladies on. Ladies, why? Why write a book about women in the paranormal? Good question. <laughs> because they deserved it. That's right. <laughs> they deserve to be. We wanted to celebrate women um, in fields that you might not normally think that women are in and some that you would and some names that are recognizable, but a lot that probably aren't because, you know, there are the TV shows and there are the stars and there's so many women out there working in the trenches on their their paranormal passions, if you will. And we really wanted to just find a way to celebrate them, but let them tell their own story rather than just, you know, have us write it ourselves very dryly. So they're they're all their own stories and their own words. You know, often you see ladies on the shows and they're the pretty sidekicks. Do you think once people will read this book that will change that attitude a little bit? Hope so. Definitely. Yeah, that would be great. And I think so. Yeah, I think people are going to be like, oh, my God, I didn't know this person was existed or that this woman was doing this. And it's going to, you know, hopefully cause a lot of people to want to read their books and listen to their podcasts and go on their websites and check them out. And um you know, maybe even look into women that we were not able to feature in this book. If we do a volume two someday, maybe we will. But I definitely hope that it's going to want, that it's going to create, um, you know, some surprise and some curiosity and more interest. Well said. Yeah, I agree. I agree with both Denise and Marie. And it's, you know, each each woman in the book and for all women, you know, because there are so many women out there and we, we only had a certain number to feature in, in the book. But every single female out in this field, whether it's cryptozoology, ufology, ghosts and hauntings, psychic mediumship, what have you, each woman is not only blazing her individual trail, but she's blazing the paranormal field and, and making it what it should be. And I think the tide is changing a little bit. We need to see it a little bit more, obviously, but... Mm-hmm women are starting to be more recognized in this field. And, you know, I'm pretty sure that this book is going to help with that as well. And there are so many women featured in it, all kinds of different backgrounds, different specialties. Uh, Some are, you know, Bigfoot hunters. Others are Mm -hmm. authors, psychic mediums. I mean, it runs the gamut. So it's, it's really an amazing book. And I really thank Marie and Denise for having me be involved in this because it's, it's, I'm, I'm honored. It's, I'm so excited for it. And how did this book spark? Who sparked this book? Was it all three of you came together and it was born? Or was it a project (laughs) that just kept growing that you all decided to do? Yeah, I came up with the original idea. And um, 
I actually, you know, the, uh, my memory isn't as good as it used to be, but I think what ha- had actually happened was my Visible Ink Press publisher um, and I were, we were going back and forth about ideas. And I, I said, you know, I wanted to maybe do kind of a celebration anthology of women in the paranormal. And he said that they didn't do that kind of book. And I thought, well, I think I know another publisher who might. And I, I had been talking back and forth with Nicole. Mm-hmm. And I said, what do you think of this idea? And she was like, wow, let's do it. That's awesome. And then we, I mentioned it to Denise, who Denise and I write screenplays and we do novellas and fiction together. And and I was like, oh, she'd be perfect. And she came on board and we put together a really great outline and we pitched it to a small publisher that was all set to publish it, but then decided they wanted to go the academic route mm-hmm. and we didn't want to do We didn't want these, you know, academic critiques of the paranormal. We wanted women who are actually out there doing the work in their own words their experiences, their whys, their hows, their passions, and, you know, has it hurt or helped you being a woman? And so we decided, hey, let's just do it ourselves. So it's being self-published by um, Where's Lucy Productions, which is my and Denise's company. But it just was a way for us to keep control Mm -hmm. and not have somebody say, oh, well, I don't think you should include haunted tour guides well why not these women are amazingly educated on the locations you know we're just having us say well you need to be more academic and talk about the the you know whatever (laughs) no this is a celebration (laughs) of women in the trenches of the paranormal they need people need to know they're there because they're amazing and fascinating well said yes you're here do you ladies think I, as a, as a female, I think females my, as myself approach things a little different than males as well. Do you find that when you read these things from these women, did you find that to be true? We sent, we tend to use more senses in a way, I think. Oh, absolutely. The whole intuition and, um, Especially there's, you know, again, quite a few mediums in this book. And uh, one of them's my friend, uh, Leslie Palm, and she has had an amazing array of experiences, you know, just profiled in this book. Um, there's Kirsten Parsons Hathcock, who I um, also have gotten to know. Um, in fact, she was a Shark Tank lady. She actually won one of the Shark Tank uh, competitions. So that has been interesting <laughs> but um, you know it there's just so many different ways that these women have approached what they're doing and like in, in particular with the mediumship and the psychic no two are exactly alike in how they do their work and how they approach it how they came to understand their abilities of um, some of them like me and began understanding their abilities when they were quite a bit older, which is something a lot of people out there in the world don't really understand. Um, they think everybody, you know, pops out as a baby and realizes that they're a psychic or a medium. So there's a lot of that, but it, in a lot of the different um, areas that we talk about, uh, everybody's coming from their own special way mm-hmm. of doing. Yeah, yeah. What I like is we've got, We've got women in the cryptozoology field. 
That's awesome. And um, uh, archaeology, that they're very hands-on. They're out there in the dirt and they're out there in the woods, with, you know, doing what the big boys do with such bravery and courage. And yeah. their, their gender really doesn't matter until somebody makes it matter. Yes. Right. You know, and you read about these women and the incredible things that they do and how much they love what they do. And you forget that they're women. You don't care. But obviously society, you know, does. And we wanted to just show that, hey, if there's a woman out there who wants to do A, B, C, D, or E, they're they're doing it. They're going to do it, whether you want to judge and criticize them or not for being female. But a lot of them did, you know, do talk about, we asked them, have you been harmed in, or hurt in any way, um, held back in any way? And some of them have. And also, has it helped you to, being a woman? And all of them, I definitely think, were able to talk about, like what Denise was saying, how being a woman added to their ability to do the research and, and you know, do the work. Right. Yeah, well said. I think the the days of, you know, boxing and methodology and, well, you should approach an investigation and a cookie-cutter setup is is kind of going away. And the nice thing is that when you approach the paranormal or the afterlife, you know, this isn't something that's black and white. There's a lot of gray here. And in some ways, science and, and scientific disciplines will help and may be able to explain and in other and in other ways it won't. So bringing in that intuition and, and the esoteric and the metaphysics, uh, I, in my opinion, is is very needed. I think approaching the paranormal just in a black and white scientific way uh, may work for some things and it may not for others. But blending both of those disciplines, the metaphysics, the intuitive, the channeling, and all of that mm-hmm. with uh, science, I think really can open up more doors and understanding what we're dealing with. I agree with that 100%. I think those are very necessary tools. Now, out of curiosity, what made all three of you pursue this life in the paranormal research? What inspired you? And what memories do you have growing up that I guess launched your careers because you all three have careers in the paranormal writing, investigating, it, the list goes on and on producing. How about Denise? What started all this for you? Um, really from childhood, really from a very young age, um, grade school level, basically. I was interested in all the things, all the strange things. Um, My mom and dad were very liberal about allowing me to read and watch anything I was interested in. And I was, I was into the fictional, a lot of the fictional scary things, books and movies. I was also into reading about uh, things like UFOs, Bigfoot, uh, anything I could get my hands on in a library, you know, even scholastic books had a few of those kinds of books way back in the day. And so just getting my hands on it all the time. I mean, if I could read about it every day, I was reading about it every day uh, and enjoying it. And at that time, I was having some experiences that I didn't really understand were um, paranormal in nature or psychic mediumship types of experiences. And it wasn't until much later that some of that became clear to me. Um, But I did it very 
thought of kind of denying it and not really uh, believing that it was true. I you pretty much would say, well, you know, <clears throat> maybe I've had some psychic experiences, but I'm not a medium. And then I ended up finding out several years ago that a lot of that stuff I was interpreting uh, as something else was mediumship. So I've just basically been ensconced in it my whole life. Did any experience, Denise, that you can remember stick out, stick out to you the most? Oh, gosh, it's really, you know, I've got so many, but um, one that just popped into mind is when I was a little kid, I used to have this reoccurring dream of being someplace that was very green. It was on this hill. Um, I saw these Celtic crosses. Um, I realized in the dream that I was an adult and I was holding this camera mm-hmm. and I was taking and I saw this older lady with dark hair and she was like kneeling next to this one gravesite. Uh, and it, the place felt very, very familiar to me. And I used to have this dream off and on over the years for quite a few years before it just kind of faded away. Uh, then I went to Ireland in 1983 and was on this uh, very high kind of promontory place called the Rock of Cashel, which actually used to be um, a place where there were monks and monastery type uh, buildings there. And I was standing on this one place and I had my camera and there were Celtic crosses around and looked over and here was this lady who was sitting on this one grave looking at it. And it was like somebody kind of punched me and I was sort of like standing there going, holy cow, this is that dream. This is that dream. And so I did have a, yeah, that, that one just in particular popped into mind, but uh, I never had the dream again after that. Um, it was kind of like, I just needed to be there and, and say, okay, something that I saw ahead that I was going to do. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. That's cool. It's crazy. <laughs> wow. When, when you were there, Denise, did you have like, I don't know, did you feel like you were at home? Did oh, up. yeah. Oh, that's yeah, awesome. I, did. I had the same experience when I, we, my husband and I lived in England for three years. And yeah. uh, I instantly uh, recognized things that um, it, it just it made sense because I knew that most of my ancestry was in those countries and in, mm-hmm. in Britain and in Ireland. But it actually felt exactly like I expected it to feel. And it did feel like I was in a place that was my home. So that's awesome. Yep. Wow. How about you, Marie? Oh, I'm going to give a really quick run through. (laughs) (laughs) Don't Um, leave anything out now, Marie. (laughs) My interest began when I was really, really young. I, uh, you know, I had the very good fortune of having a mother who was very creative and um, instilled in me the love of storytelling and a father was a scientist and instilled in me in me the love of research. I had a definitive experience when I was seven years old where um, my we, family was sitting around the supper table. We lived in New York. We called it supper, not dinner. And my younger brother and my dad were talking about dinosaurs. And my dad made the very casual comment, well, this whole area was underwater once. And I was like, ding, 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 you know, the little bell went off. Mm-hmm. The next day, I got a spoon. And I went in the backyard and I started digging. And my mom said I came in like an hour later and asked for a garden trowel, went back out, kept digging. 
came back in like an hour later, asked for a shovel. <laughs> and she said, a couple hours later, she's like, where the heck is, you know, are the kids? And she looked out the window that overlooked our swing set in the backyard where I had dug a four and a half foot hole. And actually, I didn't dig it. All the neighborhood kids dug it for me, you know, in Tom, <laughs> Tom Sawyer fashion. Oh and I was in the hole pulling out rocks that had fossils in them. Because my dad said this, and I want—I needed to prove to myself whether he was right or not. Mm-hmm. Wow! So that was that kind of set in stone you know, <laughs> my whole life as a writer and a researcher. But I did—I've had a, some experiences where I believe I have seen um, a gray alien. I saw a city in the sky when I was little that I later, as an adult, saw in a book. Mm-hmm. Um, I had two hours of missing time as an adult on a freeway in Glendale heading to Pasadena to go see Carl Sagan and um, never got there. But many years later on a radio show with Whitley Stryper's wife, Anne, Mm -hmm. uh, I was told that the area that I lost the time in was notorious for abductions and that I should go talk to it. And I said, no, no, no. And I've had some, um, when I was 15, my very best friend, when I moved from New York, California, their house was uh, had a poltergeist. And it, this was very serious. They were horrified. There was um, things that were always flying around. It was just awful, mm-hmm. awful, awful. And they would never, and she would never let me sleep overnight there. Wow. One night, one day she said, you know, would you come over? It's been really scary. And I'm like, oh, hell no. And I thought, no, 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 wait a minute, I will. I did So I didn't sleep the whole night, but you could tell something was weird in that house. Mm-hmm. In the morning, we were I was almost ready to go home, and we were sitting watching a, a movie together, Auntie Mame, I even remember the movie. And, and something went through me. And when I say that, I'm not talking about a breeze. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, I'm not a, a dumb person that would, you know, mistake a breeze. Something went through me. And as it happened, she leaned over and said, did you feel it? And I was, I got up and I went to her phone. This is when the phones were on the wall. And I called my sister and said, can you and her boyfriend drove, because we were too young to drive. Can you guys come get me? And I never went there again. They moved shortly after that, and the new owners that came in literally raised the house to the ground and rebuilt it. Stuff like that. Um, When I was older, I went to a party in La Jolla, and I started to put my coat in a room, and I felt repelled. I mean, literally felt repelled backwards. And, you know, like I was going to get sick. And I'd had that same feeling at the Hotel Del Coronado when I was younger. And the guy who was throwing the party said, no, 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 nobody goes in that room. I was like, oh, okay, well, where do I put my coat? And I, and somebody later said, yeah, somebody was killed in that room. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. okay. Wow. Hmm. Stuff like that. Um, probably the biggest, scariest thing is when, because um, UFOs have always been my, biggest obsession and passion. I started a MUFON, Mutual UFO Network Group, mm-hmm. in northern San Diego County. This was in the 1990s. And this was at the height of the abduction phenomenon that, you know, all of a sudden was just sort of exploding. Before that, very few people knew what was going on. And we had people coming in wanting our help. 
when one gentleman who came in didn't want any attention, didn't want, you know, any, um, his name or anything used, absolutely terrified because he drove um, military parts onto Camp Pendleton base. Mm-hmm. And that something had happened that he had lost time several times and had all kinds of marks on his body. And we didn't really know what to do because, again, the abduction thing was just sort of exploding. We did have a um, hypnotist, a woman named Yvonne Smith, who is now huge in the field, just brilliant. And she had just been introduced to us as if you hear anybody, you know, who is having these experiences, you can contact. She was trained, I believe, by Bud Hopkins or John Mack or one of those people. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so <clears throat> it was really bizarre. Well, I started being followed. Again, this was before cell phones. My phones were being tapped. The gal that I started the MUFON group with was having people, or at least she thought there were people, showing up on her property, uh, breaking into the garage, breaking windows. And they had a lot of guns. And she said they were always running outside with guns and there would be nobody there. So shortly after that, I got a phone call. And it was a very robotic voice. You know, you could tell somebody was using a voice changer, I hope. And it was someone telling me exactly what I had on, what magazine I was reading, what I was doing, and warning me to let go of this one particular case. Wow. And I, I, you know, hung up, closed the windows, the person called back, same thing. Like, I know you're in the kitchen, you're cutting that your meat, you know, and it was like, my husband wasn't home from work yet. And it was terrifying. And I didn't know what to do. That's the only time I've ever been scared or um, threatened by anybody to where I backed down. I actually did. I told the other gal, her name was Laura. I said, look, you know, I think this is somebody who's trying to scare me. Between this and what was happening with her, we actually shut down the group. And she moved to wow, Montana. Geez. Oh my goodness. I mean, she literally moved to Montana because the harassment had gotten so bad. That's so insane. it never happened again. And now that was at a time where you couldn't even, I don't even think you could star 69 to find out who called you. No voice ID. You know, there, there was a regular landline phone. So I have no idea who it was, whether they were looking, you know, I don't know how they could tell what I was doing. Because the way that the apartment was, you know, if you close the, the blinds, there was no way. But it was so frightening to me that I ended up leaving the, U- the UFO field for, oh, God, maybe eight years, eight or nine years. Wow. And, and not doing a thing. And then, you know, he kind of came back in through writing. Um, so stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. That's pretty scary. Yeah. But- yeah, and the missing time thing, you know, I have no desire to know what happened. I I don't feel like I need to know. I don't think anything happened. I think I just zoned out or something, but to have somebody later say, "Oh, that's weird. That's a that's a spot of the the freeway where a lot of people have reported missing time." Right. So just stuff like that. I haven't had anything really weird. Oh, I got to tell you guys this. Okay. 
So I haven't had anything really weird happen in a long time, which is a bummer. Because when those little things happen, they drive you. They keep, you know, pushing you to want to find out more. My son, my son is having strange things. And he's a diehard skeptic. And he had a situation. And he's, you know, big, tall, strapping guy. (laughs) He had a situation at a shopping mall. Five o'clock in the morning, he was dropping his girlfriend off at her work at Victoria's Secret at the mall. And he was sitting in the car waiting for her to get into the building so that she was safe. She texted him, you know, I'm, I'm in, I'm safe. And he said he saw these two people, although he didn't use that word really, in the parking lot walking across. Nobody else around, no cars, nothing. But he said that they were walking completely in unison. And looking straight ahead and robotic. And he said he doesn't know why, but every cell in his body said, get out, there is something wrong. But not in a sense of, oh my God, you know, they're drug dealers or they're thugs. Mm-hmm. He, he said it was it was uncanny. It was there was something wrong with those people. And I guess his girlfriend came out to the door and saw them and said the same thing later when they were telling me. It was off. That was the word that they used. Wow. And so I asked my son, I said, why didn't you get a picture, you know, on your cell phone? He said, Mom, I froze in horror. Like if it had been somebody breaking into cars, he would have, you know, as he drove mm-hmm. away, he would have snapped pictures. Because this is something you hear a lot with with people that um, see ghosts or have apparitions or poltergeist activity, UFOs, see UFOs. People say, if you had a cell phone, why didn't you take a picture? (laughs) The fear that he described was, it froze him. He said he didn't even think about that the fact that he had a cell phone with a camera until he was back on the freeway safe. So a few days ago, I'm listening to some YouTubes with, you know, people reporting UFO sightings. They were talking about the same thing, how you you're so terrified that what you're seeing is not something that you should be seeing that you don't even think about the phone. Absolutely. And so I even said, I said, I'll go back with you, you know, five o'clock in the morning one day. He's like, no way in hell are we doing that. Wow. Did he describe what they were wearing at all? Yeah. And he's such a um, he's such a skeptic, but he's now very very interested in all the ufology, the whole UFO UAP thing, and you know we're always texting each other stories and stuff, which is really cool. Did he and ever describe the clothing, Marie, of what they were wearing? Dark. I mean, it was five o'clock in the morning. It was dark because it was around uh, the holidays. Oh. And um, but he said that he could just tell they were not human. Now, for oh, him to say that to me, wow! You yeah, know, that's bizarre. I, I know my son, and for him to be that horrified by something that he didn't get in on a picture to show his friends because they all, you know, they're always, oh, you know, look, and and he just said he was so, he just froze. He knew he was seeing something that was not right. It was off. Wow. Yeah. So these ladies in this book. Some of the experiences that they've had, you know, I'm kudos to them that they're, I feel like people that, that get into this stuff are very, very brave and courageous. 
because it can be kind of creepy. <laughs> Very. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's pretty intense. So, yeah, my experiences have all been, I think that's a good word, kind of uncanny rather mm-hmm. than direct in your face. I've never seen a full-bodied apparition. I don't want to because I think it would probably scar me for life. I'm actually a really big chicken. <laughs> and um, I went on a ghost hunt at Queen Mary, which is Nicole. Home away from home. And yes, I'll talk everybody more was about so that. excited. And I'm like, I want to just go hide. I was so afraid I was going to see something. And yet I wanted to be there. It's like I was really torn. Half of me wanted to be there. And the other half was terrified. So. Wow. <laughs> you don't seem <laughs> I'm gonna like get you're you back on board, Marie. I'm going to get you back on board one of these I days. I love it. I have to tell you, you know, I did the We're tour going. With, with, there was a ghost hunting group we did a tour with. Because I spoke there with Dave Schrager. And um, the and so we were in all the, the engine room and all the different places, the pool room. And I didn't feel anything until I walked down the hall to my room. Hmm. I felt like I'm being followed. What deck were you Nobody on? behind me. And then when I got in my room, I felt like there's a presence, but it wasn't scary. Like I wasn't afraid. Yeah. It was, but it was like, oh, I'm kind of glad that I felt something while I was here. But it's ironically <laughs> enough, it was when I was all by myself. Yeah, that's, and, yeah, and we'll yeah, have to go back. Just, I love that place. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, Those are some I amazing mean, stories. <laughs> I love listening to how people got in the field. Oh, yeah. Because every story is so unique. Yes, absolutely. You know, well, come on, so Nicole, you're next. Pop it up. <laughs> oh, gosh. <All> right, <laughs> I'll try to, yeah, I'll try to summarize this. So similarly to Marie and Denise, you know, my interest started at a very young age. We're talking about four years, maybe four and a half years when I had my first experience. And I lived in Las Vegas, Nevada at the time. I'm an only child. And so we had a pool in our backyard Summertime, it was dusk, and we were getting out of the pool and drying off. And here I am, four, four and a half years of age, and I see this like dark gray, not real black, but dark gray, misty type shape, like morph into a humanoid type shape. And it literally floated in between all of us. And I remember saying, and I remember this. I mean, some things of my childhood I can't remember at all, but this I remember. I said, Mom and Dad, did you see that draft? And why I used the word draft to explain yeah. what I saw, I, I don't know. I that's I remember it distinctly. And so my interest just with the unknown ghosts and spirits just at a very young age, and it just progressed naturally. And uh, I'm lucky that I have a very open family. Not one of my family members, you know, judges me or anything like that. They're they're really interested in in what I do. And so it all you know, I read anything that I could get my hands on, you know, middle school, high school, but it all culminated into a really profound experience with my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, when I was a senior at the University of Arizona. And so she called me just to summarize it quickly. She called me the night before she passed and we were talking on the phone and she wanted to make sure I was okay. And I thought, well, that's odd. Now in retrospect, I, you know, she was going and making the rounds with her family members, calling them up. And so the next day, my mom, her daughter, called me and said, Grandma, I love you very much. I could tell by my mom's tone of voice that something was wrong. And she said, uh, I, I love you very much, Nicole, but, you know, Grandma passed away early this morning. 
So I went back out to San Diego, spent some time. But when I came back out to Tucson, Arizona, I started having odd experiences in my apartment that I just, I didn't have prior. And Mm -hmm. so initially I was like, okay, you know, it's my neighbors. They're making noise. That's what it is. But it started with the doorknobs rattling by themselves. Then I felt another night, a hand crest my face, even though no one, I saw no one. And then after that, a couple of nights later, I legit saw my grandmother's full-bodied apparition. She looked about like 10 years younger, a spotlight almost Mm -hmm. shining against her back. So it created this halo. And so I, even to this day, I I asked myself, you know, because I loved her. I was very close with her. And I said, you know, am I, am I projecting this? Is this some sort of bereavement hallucination or did she really come to me? And I really do think she came to me. And I think, and even as a child, I was always more of a sensitive child, uh, really in tune with my intuition at a very young age. So I think my grandmother knew before I did that I was almost destined to be in this field. And so I really, I'm indebted to her for that because I think if it wasn't for that experience, would I be as involved as I am now? I don't know, maybe. So it just left off, it, it, it just fueled off from that point and, uh, it just, everything's happened as it was supposed to. But uh, in, in working in the field, I've noticed just, you know, and I'm sure this is how it is for everyone. You know, your natural senses just improve. And interestingly, with experiences, for some odd reason, I don't share this that often, but for some odd reason, I can remote view really well. And especially with missing people. And it's usually missing females. I mean, I've had, for example, we had uh, wow. back in 2002, a young girl that went missing and, and was found in, in Dehisa, which is an unincorporated area of San Diego. And I was dreaming of them finding her before they were found. And I remember waking up from a dream and I, I, I said, oh my God, they found her body. And I had this aerial footage. It was almost like the same type of, in my dream, the same type of footage from what a helicopter would see. And mm-hmm. I described the exact the exact landscape. So when I woke up, I went on and put on the TV. And sure enough, the news broke in that she was found. And then when I was watching the actual helicopter footage, this it, was, it matched to what I was dreaming about. Oh, and wow. so this has happened uh, many times, oh. even with... Uh, a young girl recently, a couple of years ago from Truckee, I'm trying to remain quiet on the names here just for protection. But even that, I it's it's I remote viewed. I saw what happened. I saw the car go in the lake. It was silver. I saw it turn over and all of that. And it's 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 I don't know how it's done. It's bizarre. But uh and I've even worked with law enforcement on it to help with missing people. So that's something that's really uh, interesting to me besides just doing, you know, random paranormal investigations and things of that nature. But similar to uh, Denise with, you know, your love of Ireland, same thing with me with the Queen Mary. The very first time I went on board, I felt at home. I felt as though I've been there before. Everything about it looked familiar. And so I have that with the Queen Mary. So yes, it's my second home, but it's just, it's, I think working in this field, it really opens up our awareness and our perceptions. And yeah. I think for certain people, they're almost just destined to be on the path and it's just going to uh, uncover it as it's supposed to. So I, think I can share a lot more, that. but 
I, I could share a lot more, but I'm trying to condense it. But, but yeah, Nicole, don't you feel like the women in the book that that theme has been really yes. kind of present through most of them have said they've had things happen, whether they happen when they were younger or later, right. but they felt like compelled and destined. Yes. It looks like, you know, there, I mean, not everybody, a lot of people are interested in this stuff, but not everybody has that compulsion or feels like it's their destiny right. to get into it the way that we have or these women have. And, and it's so intriguing to find out like what those seminal moments or that one experience was that, it um, is. Yeah, that triggered. It is. Yeah. Very yeah. interesting. Definitely. Do you guys feel out of curiosity, you know, you hear people talk about the new age that's coming that, and everything is shifting. Do you think people are sharing and becoming more aware and using their gifts because not just social media necessarily or the TV, do you think people are being called to use these abilities to help and to teach others? I think that's that's one of those interesting esoteric kinds of things that I have to admit I, I definitely don't have uh, a good feeling for what that's all about. Um, mm-hmm. I know that you're absolutely right. There's definitely a lot more people willing to come out and say, hey, you know, I have these abilities and et cetera. And I think it's I think we go through phases in history. If you look at history and the and you see when things were acceptable to to the public at large and when they weren't. I mean, we did talk about the time of the Fox sisters when they first right. started uh, talking about their, their experiences or their abilities, that kind of thing. If you think about it, that would have had to have been a very brave thing to do to actually stick your neck out as it, anybody, man or woman, to admit that sort of thing. But it kind of just led more people in, you know, went in that direction in the spiritualist movement and that kind of thing where now granted there was, there was some chicanery, you know, and stuff that, that went on that was faked and and all of that. But I think there were probably a lot of very genuine people that discovered things that they had never thought about or that they actually realized they could, they could do psychic readings or they were a medium or whatever the case might be, or they were interested in ghosts. And then you had, um, I'm forgetting the gentleman's name who started the Ghost Society there in in London um, in the 1800s. Harry Price. Well, Harry Price. There you go. Great. I couldn't think of his name. So you have people like that who really had to stick their neck out, and you you went through a period of time where there were more people that were interested, and then it kind of faded out a little bit. Um, And I think it just it's one of these up and down sorts of things, and I don't know if it will stay. Um, up. I hope it does in terms of people being yeah. willing to talk about it. Um, but I don't have a clear picture myself whether that's a permanent thing or if it's one of these things that kind of goes up and goes down and goes up over the over the decades. Yeah, that's such an- as like history repeating itself, so yeah. to speak. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. And- I hear to people um, just briefly, you know, you hear mm-hmm. this uh, tossed around, you know, there's some sort of cosmic shift going on or is right. there, you know, we're at a crossroads now. There's a lot of difficulty, a lot of turmoil, a lot of challenge going on, uh, you know, culminating with, with the pandemic. So it's people are 
in a way, perhaps in a, in a crossroads where they want to uh, be in touch more with themselves and be in touch more with their divine wisdom. So I think that that's going on too. Just how it's being done is what we don't know. And maybe us mortals are not supposed to know exactly how that's being done. So uh, that that's an interesting concept as well. And then in, in terms, I'm not going to go into quantum physics, although it fascinates the heck out of me. <laughs> but, you know, I wonder too, if, 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 you know, time seems to be going faster and faster and faster. I don't believe it's linear. So in many ways, I, I, I question, you know, is, is the past and the present and the future all pretty much fused into one? So interesting. Yeah. I always think that's really an interesting concept. Oh, yeah. I think social media has brought together people who before felt very isolated to talk about this kind of stuff, to share their stories and to tell their stories. And I definitely feel like there is a, a up-leveling of consciousness mm-hmm. simply because we are kind of coming out of our shell more collectively. And I mean, there's, you know, millions probably of groups and, and just pages where people are just on like Facebook and Instagram or what have you. Um, Reddit, all of the Reddit uh, discussion boards and things like that. People, I think, you know, everybody's consciousness gets lifted a level when we all feel a little more free to talk about this kind of stuff, to say, hey, you know, what do you think of this? This happened to me. Oh my God, that happened to me too. Or I saw the same thing or I had the same experience. And yeah, you know, when times are always challenging, we kind of go up and down with that. And so you'll always hear like the the ladies were talking about, you know, is there a a shift going on? And I think right now the biggest shift is that we and the the ladies that we write about are able to come out of the closet, so to speak. Yes. Right. And it's not as hidden as it was before. Even when we had all the TV shows, it still was a little bit hidden from the average person. And and now it's not. Now you just do a Google search and you can, you know, find anything and everything. And you can go on social media and join groups and talk to people and learn. And we didn't have that a lot before. No, we did not. I always find one thing interesting, and I'm going to ask you ladies, all three of you about this. A lot of experiences are so similar, even if people have never talked about them, that it's hard to believe that people don't believe them after a while. And these are people that maybe never had an experience that will reach out to people. And then they find out hundreds and hundreds of people had the same experience. How do you guys feel about that? That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Go, ahead. go ahead, Denise. Yeah. Well, it's 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 interesting because um, I discovered like in the ninety in the nineties when I started kind of you know with obviously the advent of the, the internet and being able to connect with people and stuff. I would find that the more I was willing to sort of put myself out there, the more people who'd had these similar experiences that maybe would be the same as mine or similar in some way would say, Hey, you know, it's, I had the same thing happen or this is what happened to me. And they felt comfortable talking to someone who maybe they felt, Hey, this person isn't going to judge me and they're going to, we can talk about this, 
you know, like adults and it's going to be cool. And what's really funny about that synchronicity thing, even if it has nothing to do with the paranormal thing I've noticed here in this little community where I live, which is, I say little, it's probably about 40,000 people total, but I will run into people who know somebody who I know, who knows somebody else I know, who knows somebody else I know in this, you know, 40,000 people, that's a lot of people, but it's this thing where all of a sudden, like five or six or 10 of us will realize that we all know each other, but we didn't know each other until one other person said something. And then we all realized that we knew each other. <laughs> and uh, so yeah. it's, it's really bizarre <laughs> that way. It's, that's, that's, that's kind of how I think it works. And some of those people, we end up finding out that we have this tremendous connection in terms of what we've experienced in the past and it's kind of almost like somebody dropped us in the same area and said hey here you go um you guys are supposed to meet and and here here you are you know and 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 it'll you know we could even know each other maybe for 10 years before there will be something that we realize we either saw we were in the same place even my husband and i first time uh after we met in, in 1990 um we realized shortly after that we had been at the same football game two years before mm-hmm. I was rooting for the air force at the time it was an air force army game and he was rooting for the army because he was in the army and we were like at the same football game uh and you know across the stadium from each other and didn't realize it you know that's so, so cool wow. it's just, yeah it's this <laughs> weird weird little bizarre things like that I mean I can go on all day about things that I've run into that are like that. And it's just, it's weird. <laughs> it I think that's, too. I mean, Denise, that's kind of how you and I met. I mean, Nicole, oh, and I really? met in person, but you know, Denise and I have not met in person. And, and mm-hmm. I, a lot of these ladies, I mean, I think the times that we're living in are just sort of, you know, networking and finding your tribe mm-hmm. has become I mean, we, you know, even before the internet and things like that, people still managed to make friends and find people with, with uh, like minds. But this is allowing us to really expand that and, and even go global and find people from all over the world that have been through what we have or share the same interests that we do. And then we find people that we really connect with and we want to work with or write with or, you know, form a, a paranormal investigative group with what have you. So yeah. it's just really made a, it, you know, it's like a whole new world out there. That's so true. And then when you, when you think about collective consciousness, right? I, mean, yes, we're, exactly. I think we're discovering through yep. being able to connect more with people that, you know, we're not so different from another. You know, exactly. we are a lot alike. And when you study that collective consciousness, you know, you really learn that concept. And interestingly, in, in high school, I did a, a story for one of my history classes on the Challenger explosion in 1986. And that really stuck with me for several years to the point of where I, you know, have a framed picture of the crew on my wall. And it just really touched me. And so later on, a few years ago, uh, I met uh, Karen Frazier and she lives up in the Pacific Northwest and her husband is relatives with the commander on that flight. Wow. And then another story is I also uh, I also was uh, studied and was heartbroken over the Columbia disaster in 2003. Mm. And another one of my friends actually 
knew, actually, I got the story wrong. He actually was attending one of the, uh, uh, I forget her name. I think it was Laurel Clark. He was not attending, but he saw her funeral. But back to the Challenger, he too knew another crew member from the Challenger, the pilot. And he actually had lunch with him. So wow. it's interesting. Here I was at high school, yeah. did a project. And then later in adulthood, two of my friends knew two of the people on that shuttle, seven people. So it goes wow. to show, you know, the world is so small, but yet so big. That's interesting. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so ladies, when is this book coming out? What What's the date in March? March 24th is the date that we're shooting for because that starts, I believe it's um, International Women's Week. Yes. We wanted to try to coincide the release of the book with some major women's holidays and acknowledgements. Yeah. So we're excited and all the ladies that are involved are getting really excited too, which is a lot of fun. Oh, I think it's amazing. And where are they going to be able to buy this book? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> where can I get this book, ladies? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll we'll have it online. And our hope is to also get it into bookstores. And um, it'll be ebook and print. And who knows, mm-hmm. maybe even an audio book down the road. And it's also a real labor of love for us learning how to do something like this on our own. You know, yes. if we want to do another volume or something different yes. later. Um, and just being able to have that control. I really feel like if it were just the three of us writing a book, mm-hmm. we might not have that desire for the control the same way we do. We've got this responsibility to these ladies to yeah. really put their stories out there the way that they wanted them told and not have them overly edited and, you know, exactly. An editor yeah. or somebody I saying, agree. No, yeah. No, no way. This is these. This is their stories, and we want them to tell them exactly the way they want them to be told. And I think that's got wonderful. Like, I'm very excited about this, and I can't wait. I can't wait to read it. And I can't wait to read about the women and their experiences. That's that's just it's crazy. great. It runs the gamut. I mean, it's just so wild. Just, you want to sit down with each one of them. I, uh, you know, I will. <laughs> you know, I will. I'll contact all of them yes. to be on this show. <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah. yeah, they're they're all so amazing. Um, and you know, we tip our hats to you know every woman in this field. You know, not yes. just the ones that are in the book, but just everyone who's blazing their trail. And uh, it's it's exciting. I'm I'm very excited. We're we're so excited. Uh, congratulations, yeah. ladies. And thank, thank you. This has been a yeah. joy for me. Even with the little glitch That's that great. happened, it's just been a joy. Well, we appreciate it. We really do. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for having us. Anytime. You guys are always welcomed back. You know that. I love talking to you, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. So, Likewise. Please, in the future, come back on. I'd love to have we'll come you. back on after the book is out and, and yes. tell you some stories. And <laughs> yes, I'm going to look forward to that because Absolutely. I live for stories. That's why I became a podcaster. Yeah. We live for that stuff. <laughs> yes. Okay, ladies, I will put all the information on the notes of the podcast.
I won't make you guys run through all of it. So, <laughs> all right, you guys, I wish you all the success, and I will be advertising it all the way up to its launch date. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Hope to have a, a women army, you know, yes. promoting the book and and just helping us celebrate these ladies. Absolutely, not a problem. <laughs> at all (laughs) thank you from my heart ladies it's been wonderful talking to you thank you have a great night